He's on time. Turn to your neighbor and say, my king is alive today. Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, my king is alive and well today. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Can we thank God for our worship team this morning? Man, I'm telling you, they are amazing. And I know they do what they do to honor the king. And so we're glad to have you here on Easter Sunday. So glad that you're here. If you're here for your first time, we want to let you know you're in a safe place. I said you're in a safe place. Amen. Because the king of glory is here. Amen. You're in a place that loves you. And so we're really glad that you're here. And for those of you standing, uh, I'm honored that you would stay and stand and be in service with us today because God's doing some great things here at Hope Alive Church. Tell your neighbor one more time. Say you look beautiful and your teeth look whiter today. Just speak by faith. Amen. Tell them you've been using crest white strips. Wow. Amen. Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today. God's doing some great things. Hey, we had a great sunrise service this morning. If you were here at 645, let me hear you make some noise. Not here, but out in Gardendale. Yeah, some of us, some of y'all was like, Jesus ain't even awake that early. I'm not, I'm not getting up. Uh, but we had a great time just, just lifting up the name of Jesus. So we're glad to be in the house of the Lord. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. I promise there is a word for you today, and so we are excited, and God's doing some great things. Uh, the title of my message this morning, and, and, uh, and pastors and ministers all over the world spent, spent weeks and weeks preparing for that uh, uh, infamous Easter message, and there's a lot of pressure to, to preach something that maybe hadn't been heard before. Uh, but I threw all that pressure out the side. Amen. Uh, but I know that there's a word. There's a word for us here today. John chapter 19. If you have your Bible, let's go to the word together. There's a, there's a hum on the stage somewhere. Something's humming. But ain't nobody else up here but me. Amen. And I ain't the one humming. But something's humming. And so uh, Joe or somebody can lay hands on it and it can be fixed. Amen. I said it can be fixed. Those are the angels of heaven singing. Amen. Amen. John chapter 19. I want to read a passage of scripture. The title of my message is The Secret Disciples. The Secret Disciples. John chapter 19. I want to read a scripture. John chapter 19 verse 38 says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but look what this says, but secretly. Hmm. Being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came, Joseph did, and he pulled Jesus's maimed, broken body off of the cross and he took the body of Jesus. And then Nicodemus, another secret disciple, who at first came to Jesus by night. See, Joseph was, was a secret disciple, and Nicodemus, he visited Jesus under the cover of night one night. Also came and bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds of them. Then they took the body of Jesus. 
And they bound it in strips with linen and with spices, as was the custom of the Jews to bury. And verse 41 says, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb. Everybody say a new tomb. A new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there is where they laid Jesus. Because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Let's put this passage of scripture into context for you. You know what happened on Friday. You know what happened where, where they beat him and they mocked him and they spit on him. And, and we call it good, but it wasn't good. We say that it was beautiful. We look upon the cross as an as a, 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 a emblem of endearment, but in fact it was, an, it was a, a sign of torture. And we call that day, that Friday, good, but it was the furthest thing from good. You ever been through some things that everybody else thought you was good, but you down deep on the inside, you weren't good? Hello, somebody. And, and on this Friday, they began to prepare. See, if you remember last Sunday, the reason why Jesus came to town is because he was coming to town. He was beginning this process. But the Jews in Jerusalem were celebrating what? Passover. And they were celebrating Passover and Passover was about to happen. This was it. This was the Easter Sunday for the Jews. It happened Friday night at 6 p.m. And it lasted during their Sabbath until Saturday night at 6 p.m. And they wanted to get Jesus' body off of the cross. And so let me give you some more context here. Here comes two Jewish priests. Here comes a member of the, the Jewish Sanhedrin, Joseph of Arimathea. And his running buddy, Nicodemus. Some which, some writers describe these two as being cowards. Some describe these two as being, as being spineless. In a time where, where people needed to stand up for him, uh, these two uh, could not afford to stand up for him in their own way. And, a, and an ounce of boldness came upon this man, Joseph of Arimathea. And this secret disciple all of a sudden became public. All of a sudden, all his thoughts and all his, his, his efforts and his motives where he hid behind secrecy and he hid and, and his buddy Nicodemus didn't want nobody to see he was talking to Jesus, the Messiah, the, the, the proclaimed Messiah, the crazy man, the one that healed, the one that, that did all these. They called him a blasphemer. They called, and, and Nicodemus knocked on the door at midnight. And Joseph of Arimathea, being a follower of Jesus and admiring Jesus, but only in secret. Joseph of Arimathea is one of the few people that is mentioned in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. His, his contribution to this, this part of the resurrection story is mentioned uh, uh, in every single Gospel. But he is not mentioned until after Jesus has died. So Joseph, a secret disciple, mentioned after the death of Jesus, is a rich, wealthy Sanhedrin man who just happened, just happened to have recently prepared a tomb for him and his family. Joseph of Arimathea 
comes, uh, comes to, to, to Pilate and he begins to ask. And, and here's what's really important about this. Joseph of Arimathea had to do this. Everybody say he had to do it. He had to do this because the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9 that this Jesus was given a grave uh, with those who were evil but his body was buried in the tomb of a rich man. And so Joseph of Arimathea, being a a rich man, being a wealthy teacher, being a wealthy member of the Jewish council, he had just had this new tomb, something that had not been buried. See, it was also a Jewish custom that, that when they were buried, they had to be buried in something new. They could not touch death. They could not come into contact with death. And here comes Jesus, the Jewish, uh, the, the, the son of God, born into the Jewish race and born to a Jewish heritage is laying look at this in a brand new tomb just as the prophet Isaiah prophesied and then Nicodemus Nicodemus who who knocked on Jesus's door and said can I come in and talk to you can I come in and speak to you let me come inside because I don't want anybody to see that I'm talking to you You ever had those friends that are only friends with you when they're with you, but when they're with somebody else, you don't know whose friend they are until they want to get in your house and they want to just talk to you personally and they just want to shut the door. Let's don't let nobody know we're talking. You know what I mean? And then they say things like, just keep that between you and me. You know what I'm saying? And Nicodemus knocks on the door and he speaks to Jesus at night, this other Pharisee. See, Joseph and Nicodemus were a part of the group that wanted Jesus to die. I mean, they, in some gospels, they spoke up against it, Nicodemus especially, but, but they wanted Jesus to die. And here we have Joseph, here we have Jesus nailed to the cross, hemorrhaging from his side. Every part of his body is beaten and just absolutely maimed beyond recognition. And two that wanted to kill him come to prepare him for burial. I'm, I'm, I'm presenting you these cases because I feel like there are more of us that are secret disciples sometimes. What about the thief on the cross? Do you remember Jesus was, was hung between two thieves? And one thief, uh, the Bible says uh, that in, in Luke chapter 23, one thief uh, said, uh, don't you, aren't you Christ? Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you save us? And look at this other secret disciple looks over to the other thief and says, this is the son of God. We are punished justly and we are getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. So you have Joseph who only followed Jesus secretly. You have Nicodemus who only talked to him under the cover of night. And then you have the thief who never said anything about this Jesus, the son of God, believing it until nails were in his hands with him. I just, I just wonder what motivates a secret disciple. See, I was raised in church, and so in, in my head, I, I don't mind being bold and, and sharing. And, and, and sure, there's been times as I've been growing up and amongst different situations and among friends and things, and there were challenges. Should I speak up about my faith or should I do this? But what really motivates these three disciples, these three secret disciples who the writer saw so fit to pin them into the story? Nicodemus, when, when surely the disciples, their initial thought of Nicodemus was being a coward, surely they thought Joseph of Arimathea, although he helped after the death of Jesus, 
he was a coward because he secretly and surely the thief my goodness he had done so much wrong how could he be a see why did they keep their faith hidden i wonder why do we keep our faith hidden why do we wait until the last minute it seems like to speak up about our faith joseph john chapter 19 says being a secret disciple a disciple put that scripture up there in john chapter 19 he was a disciple but secretly even when i was reading this scripture i thought what a what a spineless person and then the holy spirit reminded me and said you need to be careful not to judge he said because there's been times you could have spoke up for me and you didn't there there's been time be careful cliff there's been times you've been torn between two ways of living on one hand you want to be a a a christian that's bold in church only but on the other hand you want to be one of the boys when you're with one of the boys hello somebody does anybody relate to what i'm talking about And I think there are a lot of times we as disciples probably encounter the same struggles that Joseph of Arimathea and and, and Nicodemus and and the thief on the cross. I think we as Christians come into contact with a lot of moments in our own lives where we get torn between living for the popular vote amongst our peers or living for the vote in heaven and nothing else matters. Sometimes we get torn between should we live by the way Google says or should we live by the way the good word of God says I mean there are times where we're often all faced with these decisions of who should we live for it's almost like we're torn between a love for the world hello somebody and a love for the God that we serve sometimes it seems like we're torn should we should we cry about it to our best friend should we talk about it to the internet or should we get on our knees and talk about it to the king of kings and the lord of lords and and i think it's a little important that we don't get ourselves too high and mighty thinking we would have been one of the ones that stood up and cut off somebody's ear sometimes we can't even make it to church across town much less cut off somebody's ear in defense of jesus and so so for the fear of the jews it says he was a secret disciple See, sometimes we believe God is doing new things. But if you were a Jewish Sanhedrin at the time who believed a little bit about what he was saying, but you weren't bold enough to come out of the the closet, if you will, uh, of secrecy when it comes to your faith and comes to, to revealing what you really believe. Sometimes we, as Christians, we believe God can do a new thing, but we're sure comfortable with the old ways. Sometimes we believe that God God wants to do a new thing in our lives, but we don't want to let go enough of the old things that we're holding on to. We're torn between two friend groups. We're torn between two two sources of information. We're torn between the love of ourself and the love of the Savior. I just came to say today, there are some people in this room who are secret Christians. Who are Christians when it benefits you who are Christians in the house of God. Thank you that you're a Christian in the house of God, but it's plenty lit up in here. What we need you to do is take your light out into the dark world, out into the workplace, out into the school, out into... 
to the college campus and be the light there. Why is it for some reason or another, people are still, after 2,000 something years, people are still afraid to identify publicly with Jesus sometimes? Why is it that, that people still sometimes, when it comes down to it, that they're afraid uh, uh, to, to, to declare and to stand for what they believe in because it's not politically correct? I heard this from a preacher a few years ago, and I've been saying it ever since I heard it. There is coming a time in our nation where preaching this word will be illegal it'll be against the law it'll be against the the popularity who will preach the gospel when no one else is there to preach the word I just dare to say we've got to get some secret Christians to come out of there come out of hiding these secret disciples were motivated and, and Joseph walks up to Pilate and he says, give me the body. It wasn't until after his death, Joseph goes to Pilate, who was already pretty mad. Let's be honest. Let's, let's put it into context here. He was pretty ticked off that the, that the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin had swindled him into convicting this innocent man to death, releasing a guilty man, a, a criminal, in exchange for an innocent man. And he was mad. And here comes Joseph. Had no spine up until this point. But he walks into the courtroom. He walks into the throne room of Pilate, into the office. And he says, sir, give me the body. Who is going to tell the world, I want to have the body of Christ. I want to care for the body of Christ. Joseph of Arimathea begins to set a precedence, in my opinion, because when he saw the body, his heart was changed. Until he saw the body, he was a disciple, but in secret. But when he looked with his own eyes upon the brokenness of the body, upon the reality of what sin and sickness and shame has caused, when he was beaten for our transgression and bruised, bruised for our iniquities and, and, and all these things and our peace was upon him, something changed in this secret disciple. He said, wait a minute. He said, I, I got to take care of the body. Let me tell somebody in this place, what you're looking at in this room is the body. You're looking black and white and brown and tall and short and old and young and people from all different backgrounds and all different perspectives. And you're looking at the beautiful body of Christ and let me tell you today if people will look upon the brokenness and the authenticity and even the bleeding sometimes of the body their perspective will be changed when we look upon the body that is why the church is needed in days like today and if you are here and you're under the sound of my voice hear what I'm about to tell you not only does the church need you but you need the church you need the body the body the body when he saw his bleeding and he saw the torture something came out of hiding 
Something came out of the locked up places of his heart. And Romans reminds us, so are we are many persons in chapter 12, verse 5. There are many races. There are many people. But in Christ, we together are what? One body. You need the body of Christ more than you think you do. You need community. It's in the body. You need healing. Let me tell you, it's in the body. You need direction for your marriage. You need direction for your business. It's in the body of Christ. You need peace. It's in the body of Christ. You need joy. It's in the body. It's not in a bottle. It's not in a needle. It's not in a political party. It's in the body of Christ. What did God institute when he put the New Testament church together? He said, where two or three are gathered together, touching any one thing, praying the prayer of faith, believing when they pray, when they agree, it shall be done, is what it said. If there is any sick among you, the book of James says, call for the elders of the church, pray the prayer of faith, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of pray of faith will save the sick healing is in the body you need direction for your life it's in the body and so I took three lessons from this story of Joseph of Arimathea and I'm going to give them to you are you ready today three lessons that I believe Joseph uh, uh, portrayed that I think we need to learn today number one He took the risk in doing what he knew what was right. He took the risk in doing what he knew was right. There is a lot of people who are more afraid of what people think than doing what they know is right. There are too many people who are are afraid to be cast out of their comfortable circles. And so they continue to consent Two things that they know are not helping them simply because they don't want to upset the apple cart. When he walked into Pilate's court, this was an incredibly risky move. This was, this was boldness that I believe many people even in this room may not have. He, wa- he went from a man who was afraid of what they thought to a man who walked with his head upright with integrity and with power and with strength and he walked up to the most powerful man in the land who could have had him killed for treason who could have had him killed for for, for changing his mind Pilate was already not happy with the situation and he walked up to the king and he said give me Jesus who will stand up to the world and say give me Jesus if you're going to give me anything Give me Jesus. The rest of the world can have all these associations with all other things, but as for me and my house, give me Jesus. The rest of the world will find hope in horoscopes and in enneagrams and all other things, but there is a remnant of believers who will say, when I'm looking for hope, give me Jesus. When I'm looking for peace, I'm not looking for more pills. I'm not looking for more prescriptions. Excuse me for a minute while I have church by myself up here on the stage. Give me Jesus. He risked it all. He laid it all on the line. And he said, give me Jesus. Secondly, by by requesting his body. 
He ran the risk of being cast out by his own peers. And I want to speak clearly to an audience that would hear me today. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to be comfortable even if you're standing all by yourself. We are under more pressure than ever before to be socially accepted. But I want to tell you that if we are seeking social acceptance, I promise you we will get some eternal rejection. There is coming a day where each one of us will stand, no matter what, what political party you affiliate with, no matter what side of the tracks you live on, no matter what neighborhood you live in, or whose friend, or how many followers you have, we're all going to stand flat-footed and bald-headed in the, na- in the front of Jesus the King. Some of y'all might not be bald-headed, but I'm going to be up there bald-headed. And he's going to say one of two things. He's either going to say, welcome to heaven, my child, enter into the joy of the Lord. Or he is going to say, depart from me, worker of iniquity. I do not know you. I never knew you. What will he say when you stand in front of him today? Will you be more concerned with your friend group than you are with Jesus? The third thing that was risky for, Jesus, for Joseph is when he touched the body. When he, when he pulled the nails and he touched the body, ceremonially, he was now unclean. He was willing to be rejected. He was willing to even be looked at as dirty or bad or unclean by society in order to have the body of Jesus. By the Jewish tradition, he could no longer participate in Passover, which means he went out and bought all new Easter clothes at Dillard's the last week. (laughs) Y'all did Dillard's a favor this year, didn't you? Amen. Went out and bought all new Easter clothes, but guess what? He didn't get invited to the Easter service anymore. He didn't get invited to the religious ceremonies anymore. He didn't get invited because because when you get down and dirty and bloody with the brokenness of the body, sometimes you get rejected by the church. Sometimes people are uncomfortable when we get bloody and dirty and it seems like everything's unclean. I feel like that one of the greatest idols in the world right now is sometimes found in the church. We'd rather seek the God of our denomination than we would the God of eternity. We would rather seek the God uh, of our favorite speaker on, on iTunes or our favorite podcast or our favorite new book out than we would find what God says in the book for ourselves. And the fourth thing, is he risked all this actually to have nothing to gain? Think about it. He didn't even get his tomb. He didn't get his tomb back. He didn't get his tomb. He he invested. He had nothing to gain. Why would he risk it all for a dead man? Have you ever missed a moment? Have you ever had an opportunity to make an eternal impact? Or have you ever had an opportunity, maybe in business, and you immediately, after you missed that moment, you had regret? I feel like that could have been a little bit of of what Joseph was going through in that moment. He had nothing to gain. 
to do it at that point. There was no notoriety. There was no, there was nothing at that time except realizing he had missed the mark. I want to tell you today that obedience to Christ and an over-the-top love for Jesus means sometimes we have to risk our reputation, sometimes we have to risk our pride, and sometimes we even have to risk our life. But when we risk it all, I want to tell you that following Jesus is always worth whatever risk we have to take. The second thing I want to tell you is, is I noticed that Joseph loved Jesus through the defeats and disappointments. Oh, everybody loved Jesus when he was opening blind eyes. Oh, everybody loves Jesus when he, when God is sending checks to your mailbox. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody loves Jesus when everything's going right. But is the, is the love that we have for Jesus, is it consistent? Is it, is it, does it run in consistency and continuity with the love that we have for Jesus even when times are bad? See, Joseph, see, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know how I would have cared for the body. Can I be honest with you? I, I, I would believe that I'd have thought everything through. But sometimes I have to fall and skin my knees before I learn the lesson. Is anybody else like me? Sometimes I have to fall and make a fool of myself and apologize and have to go back and fix it and have to humble myself and serve a big old double slice, double helping pie of humble pie. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I would have done, but a man that was considered spineless in the moment that it mattered, he loved Jesus while everybody else doubted his ability. Think about this. 5,000 when he fed, he fed them uh, 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 on the hill that day. 30-some thousand on the streets of Jerusalem the Sunday before. But that Friday night, all that was left was Joseph and Nicodemus. Everyone else had left his body to die, to rot. Who was caring for the body? Joseph loved Jesus Even his own disciples had left. Maybe they had felt that Jesus had let them down. Maybe they felt, excuse me, that Jesus had lied to them. Maybe they second-guessed everything that he ever said. That's what we do when we're hurt by someone who claims to love us. We doubt. But here's the good news about Joseph, and here's what I believe you need to hear today. Joseph found a way to love Jesus anyway. He found a way to love Jesus through the highs and the lows. He found a way to love Jesus when no one else could love him. I know you love the church when it's lovable, but do you love the church when it's unlovable? I know you love the word when it tells you you're going to get rich by Thursday. But do you love the word when it tells you need to forgive that person that you think it's okay to hold on against them? Everybody loves Jesus when everything's working out. But do you love Jesus in the midst of disappointment? Do you love Jesus in the midst of a negative doctor's report? Do you love Jesus when you're not sure if resurrection day will ever come? Do you still love the same Jesus that died on the cross for you. Joseph loved Jesus anyway. Joseph never got a miracle himself. Joseph never saw the blind eyes open for himself. But when it came down to caring for the body of Jesus, he never got recognized by Jesus. Jesus never said, Joseph, you're doing such a good job. No, 
Joseph in silence just said, give me the body of Jesus. And he held on to the body and he took care. Joseph loved Jesus before Good Friday was good. Joseph loved Jesus when it was bad. Joseph loved Jesus when it was bloody. Joseph loved Jesus when there was no victory in sight. When everyone else had left him. Today, if you're hurt and you feel let down and disappointed by the one, the one that said they would never leave you. Today, if you are here and you have had to Hold dead, lifeless bodies in your hands while the king that you said would come back and resurrect. He raised people, Lazarus, from the dead, but he could not keep himself alive. Can you love Jesus anyway? Can you love Jesus through the hurts, through the circumstance, through the abuse, through the cheating, through the betrayal? Can you learn a lesson from Joseph and love Jesus anyway? Is there anybody in this room this morning who can say, I, Lord, am going to love you anyway, God, no matter what the circumstance is? The same tomb. You know how this story ends, the same tomb that looked lifeless on Friday, early Sunday morning. The Bible says, Mary, running with spices in her hand. I find a a little bit of a conflict there. She's running as fast as she can, only only to anoint him for burial. This would not be something if you've ever grieved the loss of someone you love. You're not excited about this. You're not ready. You're not running with everything you have. But here, Mary is running as fast as she can. In fact, here comes the other disciple. Everybody's running. Down deep inside, they saw him dead on Friday. But they're running on Sunday morning to see what is going on. She's got spices to anoint his dead body, but running and can't wait to get there. What is up? I really believe because by faith... By faith, they knew that Jesus would come back and do what he said he would do. And, 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 and by faith, they knew that that tomb would not look the same that it did on Friday. Your situation may look bad today, but let me remind you of a life-giving, resurrecting Jesus who can turn things around. I said he can turn things around. Friday was silent, but Sunday was making noise. Friday was lifeless, but Sunday was full of hope. Friday was dead, but Sunday is full of life reminds me of a story that i heard one time of a a man who was on a boat and he 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 came in contact with a storm and this storm uh, uh, broke his boat and 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 tossed him overboard and he washed up on a shore of a deserted island And there he was on this deserted island and he was praying and he was saying, God, what am I going to do? It's just me. Nobody's even coming by. Nobody's going to rescue me. And and he didn't hear back from God. See, a lot of people, they give up when they don't hear God speak back to them. He didn't hear back from God. And so he began to survive there and he began to fish and he began to build a shelter and he began to take care of himself. And one day, Kanisha, he was out fishing and he he was fishing for lunch and he came back with a a load of fish and he looked on his hut that he had made and it was up in flames and he said God why have you forsaken me why am I here and nothing's working out the way it's supposed to what's going on 
Maybe you have said those same things this morning. God, everything has gone wrong. God, everything, everything I try to do. And the next morning he woke up to a boat on the shore. And the captain of that boat stepped off and he said, Sir, I don't know what you're going through, but we saw smoke in the air yesterday. He said, and we saw the smoke coming in the air. We knew there was life on this deserted island. Maybe your situation looks lifeless today. But if you will hold on, I promise you, your circumstances, God has not left you alone in the circumstances that you are in. I want to love Jesus like Joseph did. I know that he had a term of being a secret disciple. But I want to love Jesus no matter who it associates me with or separates me from. But if they loved God so much, why were they silent? If they loved God so much, why was the thief silent up until the cross? Why was Nicodemus silent? My third point that I want to give you today is this. The cross has the power to change us. The cross still has the power to change us. What made a difference in Joseph's life was not the miracles. What made a difference in Joseph's life was not feeding 5,000. What made a difference in, in Joseph's life was not raising Lazarus from the dead. When Joseph looked upon the cross, he could no longer remain neutral. When he stared at the cross, it forced him to take a side. And this morning, if I could plead to you about anything, I would say, look at the cross. Look at what the Savior did for you and me. When we only loved him in silence. When we only loved him when it was conditional and when it was convenient for us. When we only brought our worship and our praise to him when we had needs. Look at the cross. Because you cannot stare at the cross and remain neutral. When you look on the cross, you take a stand. The cross did for Joseph what the life of Jesus could not do for Joseph. The cross did for Joseph what miracles and teaching did not do for Joseph. The cross did for Joseph uh, when, when they displayed his body and when they tied him up and they nailed him to the cross in the sky. It was, it was like as if Jesus' own words where he said in John chapter 12, If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus' own words prophesied that when he said he would be lifted up, that he would draw men, and that's what happened to Joseph. Here come Joseph. The disciples had left. Peter had denied. Judas had betrayed. Everyone else was gone, and I'm closing with this. Here comes Joseph. Today, if I could finish this, this message with these words, hear these final words. There is no such thing as secret discipleship. There is no such thing as secret discipleship. Either your secrecy will destroy your discipleship or your discipleship will destroy the secrecy. Two. Two cannot remain. Two cannot be equal. Either your secrecy separate you from him or your discipleship 
will eliminate all secrecy in your life. There's no such thing. I don't know that Joseph was a secret disciple after all. Maybe he just had a job to fill for such a time as this. This decision he made was to take his private faith public. And he did just that. Will you? Let me ask you this. He acted before it was too late. Will you? He spoke up. He walked with boldness and he walked with confidence. Will you? See, I don't believe you can fully celebrate the resurrection until you come to terms with the death. I don't think you fully will appreciate. Here's why some people still don't even appreciate Easter Sunday. We'll stand here and say he got up. He rose from the dead. Some people are like, I don't even know what happened because you haven't died yet. I said, you haven't died yet. Because dead people, we look at the cross and say, if it had not been the cross that was the door for Jesus to walk through the door of death, into hell to take the sting of death and the power of death and the, and the smell of death away and to walk out the door of an early Sunday morning garden tomb see if you're going to understand his resurrection you're going to have to understand his death if you're going to understand his power to heal you're going to have to first understand his power to save a lot of people love Jesus, the deliverer. But not everybody understands Jesus as Lord. The Lord that died for his ability to run your life and to control and to lead your life today. If you'll look at the cross, it was the one thing that changed Joseph's mind. We would have loved to see blind eyes open. We would have shouted when we saw dead people raised. But Joseph didn't have to see any of that. He just saw the cross. He just saw the crucifixion this morning. I want to tell you, if you want to make a difference in your world, bring people to the cross. Bring people to this sign of death and let them see through the, through the obvious signs of death and look into the eternal signs of life. This morning, if you're feeling hopeless, look to the cross. This morning, if you're feeling fearful, look to the cross. If you're feeling like you cannot make it, look to the cross today. Because the cross has the power to take a secret disciple and to make their faith public. Would you stand with me this morning? Are there any secret disciples? Are there any people in here today who said, I have lived for God, but I live secretly? Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be obedient to the Holy Spirit today if I didn't say, maybe there's some of you who are here today who are like Nicodemus, that you only talk to God when you're afraid, that when you're sure that no one else is looking. Maybe you're like the thief on the cross. You're guilty and plenty to deserve, but you still are a disciple of Jesus. Maybe you're like Joseph. Today, I'm asking you today to come out of hiding. 
Today I'm calling you to the foot of the cross. This cross has the power to take a a dead, dark soul and to inject eternal life into that dead, dark soul. Who am I talking to today? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Today I'm calling you with this one simple message. If you feel like you have been a secret disciple, only sold out when it was convenient, I want you to be bold right now in this moment and raise your hand. And raise your hand as a sign of acceptance. Come on, hands are moving all over the room. I see you. Raise your hand as a sign of surrender. And maybe that's been me. I see you. Maybe that's been me. Maybe I've only been a disciple when it was convenient. Maybe I was only a disciple on Sundays and Wednesdays. But but if you're in this room today and you've been one of those secret disciples, today I want to tell you there's hope for you. Put your hands down. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice that has never taken the opportunity to open your heart up, to do what the Bible says to confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God we're going to pray a prayer together in concert today are you ready? we're going to pray a prayer together because I believe that, that you would be amiss if you walked out of this place and have never prayed that prayer of surrender and salvation the Bible says heaven rejoices when one prays that prayer would you bow your heads and would you open your mouth with me and let's pray Father God Come on, let's say it together. Father God, I stand here today with my heart open, with my mind open to receive you as a resident of my heart. Take fortress in my heart. Be at home in my heart. I accept your son Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, as my guide, as my light. I believe he is the resurrected son of the living God. I believe he died on a cross, but he rose again on the third day for me. I believe it. I believe it for me. And today I confess that my life belongs to Jesus. I am no longer my own. Say it. I am no longer my own belong to you Jesus lead me guide me direct me I repent of all the ways I have fallen short and I accept your love and forgiveness for me say this say heaven is my home come on say it by faith heaven is my home I will not go to hell I will not die in sin I am free from sin in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.